The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Oh. This is Bobby Okereke, inside linebacker for the Indianapolis Colts, and you are tuning into the Blue Stable Podcast. Oh, man, another loss. Uh, another loss, guys. Colts fall to 3-3-1 three, three and one on the season so far. You know, is there any hope at the end of the tunnel? We're going to talk about that here. We're going to talk and get into what we liked, what we didn't like. We got fan questions to answer. But before we get into that, this show is brought to you by Prize Picks. All first-time users that deposit and use promo code BLUESTABLE will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. If you deposit $100, prize picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, prize picks will give you $50. Now, all you're doing in that one is like kind of like today. I could have won $300, but no, Derek Carr freaking screwed me out of it. So you could always, you know, all you're doing is just going against projections, whether they're stat line or their fantasy points. How much do you want to go over? Do they? Do you think they hit it? Do you think they go over or go under? It's all up to you, but you can always go deposit $50 and get $50 back and, you know, play your hand in your knowledge and fantasy. And I, I almost won $300 today. Just came up nine yards short of that. But you know what? We're going to come back next week and we're going to have another go of it, all right? So other than that, Landon, Marcus, y'all already know what it is. Uh, the fans and ourselves are not happy right now. But before we get into the into that, we got to do a welfare check on each other. Marcus, how are you? Um, I'm fine now, you know. I had to sit on outside for a little bit after the game and just listen to the wind in the streets and the cars go past. Uh, yes. And I just laughed it off because, you know, at the, end of the, at the end of the day, when you lose games like this, it just becomes laughable. And you just can't wait for the next season to start. But games like this is laughable, but we'll talk about it later. Landon, how are you? Well, um, I, I'm here. I, I, and I do have a confession. I didn't finish the last few minutes of the game because I need to save myself some sanity. As you know, I'll be doing the All-22 film review breakdowns coming up tomorrow. Please say your prayer for your boy. Um, I'm a, I, I didn't want to have to subject myself to any more of this game than what I needed to. So that's that's kind of how I am right now. It's it's almost borderline apathetic, which is the worst place you can be as a fan, like where you just don't care anymore. All right. Well, 
at least at the end of the day, we're all breathing. Okay. So we were obviously all, we're all disappointed and everything, but how are you guys feeling who are watching this, whether if it's on Apple podcasts or on YouTube, if you're on YouTube, comment down below and tell us how you're feeling. What were your thoughts from the game? And definitely I want, we want to hear your insight and, and your opinions on what we're going to talk about on the show. So Y'all know how we do it, man. What we liked, we, we can start off with that. I want to start with Chase McLaughlin because if there's any bright spots on this team, especially at kicker, which used to be a huge dark cloud over this team, Chase McLaughlin has been good. He's been automatic. He's made every kick uh, except for a long, what was it, 56, 57-yard field goal that was kind of rushed. But other than that, guys, he has been automatic. He hasn't been a reason why the Colts – haven't been able to win a game why they he just hasn't been a problem basically so this this could be real quick but i just wanted to give him some praise because he 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 does his thing make extra points make field goals so marcus let's just talk about a bright spot yeah absolutely um shout out to him i feel like he's a a lost son of justin tucker uh, how automatic he is um he's definitely reliable besides the last kicker um, but definitely was trying to keep us in the game when we called on him. I mean, that's one of the things you need from special teams. We'll talk about the rest of that later on. But definitely was uh, probably the MVP of the game. Um, like I said, if he could have kicked field goals from the whole game, we probably would have had a better chance winning. But, you know, yeah, offense is the offense. So, hey. <laughs> Landon, let's speak some good on Chase McLaughlin's name. Hey, well, I mean, like you guys pretty much covered it. Like that guy is, uh, you know, he's he stepped up pretty big this season. He's made some big kicks. Uh, there hasn't been the issues of like, you know, we can only kick field goals shorter than 40 yards that we had. Um, it's always a good thing whenever you're looking for a field goal kicker. So, yeah, that, that guy's got the leg. He's been, like you said, pretty much automatic. So um, ha- happy to have him. At least one of the few great things about the Colts right now. Awesome. And the last thing we're going to get into, that was that was a good sign from this game. The defense, man, the defense puts on another solid performance, holding the Tennessee Titans to really to really 12 points because their touchdown, their only touchdown of the game was off a Matt Ryan pick six. So holding that offense to 12 points is a phenomenal job. I think all the guys deserve credit. Uh, there, there were a few times where, again, I don't think let's just talk about good Stephon Gilmore I thought had a good game DeForest Buckner Grover Stewart man you can't say anything bad about Grover Stewart I don't think Grover Stewart has had a single bad game so far this season that says a lot Julian Blackman obviously got a little bit more playing time safeties look pretty good uh Rodney McLeod the defense basically just doing its job hanging in there not allowing a single touchdown in today's game and I mean, they're they're not getting any help whatsoever. But if there's any hope at, at if there is an ounce of hope in this team going into this season, so far it's the defense because they are not producing turnovers, but they're also not allowing guy teams into the end zone a lot, and that is such a huge, sometimes a over an underrated stat where teams kind of take that for granted fans kind of take that for granted a little bit because Indianapolis did the second best scoring defense in the league 
in the league. He, they are top three. So that's nothing you could ever say about Matt Eberflus. That's nothing you could ever say about Chuck Pagano. This defense is performing well and not allowing teams in the end zone at a marginal rate at all. So, Landon, I want to start with you first. If there's one highlight, just one thing that you want to gloss over about this defense, what would it be? They defended the naked boot with Ryan Tanner. <laughs> Finally, um, it was one of my it was one of my keys of the games last week, you know, that we talked about. And um, you know, it was defending that play, forcing Derrick Henry, funneling him into Grover Stewart to force but Derrick Henry didn't really get loose today at all. Um, I believe he was under four yards per carry for the game, which is good whenever you're holding that, you know, a guy like that. Um, and then whenever it came time to perform in the red zone, like we said, Tennessee was converting at the highest rate in the league when they get when they got to the red zone. The Colts held them to field goals. They didn't allow them in the end zone. Not a single offensive touchdown. So um, yeah, and also shout out EJ Speed. I think EJ Speed had a really good game uh today. So um I, I want to give him some praise as well. But yeah, it's um it, it's unfortunate that they tend to you know, I know they had a down week last week for them, but like most of the season now, they've done almost all the heavy lifting of this roster and they just consistently either get zero support or they get like put in bad situations with all the turnovers from the offense. So, um, yeah, they, they've done a fantastic job and, you know, they, they did everything they could to win this game today. They, they did not deserve to lose this game. Yeah, man, it's uh it's unacceptable. Uh I don't I don't think we deserve this defense. Like the things that they've done all year, even Kenny Moore showed up today, and that was one of the things we were looking for. And it's you know, and then we just constantly and you would feel like the Colts defense would be gassed at some point, but for somehow they still shown life no matter what. And that's that's like that's winning football. But then when you look on the opposite side of it's the offense, it's just like they don't know what they want to do, miscommunications between the wide receiver and the quarterback. You don't get the tight ends involved. And then the special teams, they can't punt the football. And then the defense is back on the field. It's like, I don't know how much more you want them to do. As Like I said personally, I said this a while ago, if the defense can just put up points before the offense, I'll be fine with that as long as we can score. But, I mean, we're not taking the ball away really like that. I mean, we got a fumble at the end, but that was pretty clutch. But... I mean, we're we're just missing like those ball hawks for sure. But I mean, Isaiah Rogers Senior started today. And he as soon as he got on the field, he made a play. So I mean, that was the bright spot. But definitely, the defense is never going to be the issue between us as a Colts fan. As we watch these games, the biggest question marks are definitely our opposite side of the ball. And for now, the special teams. I mean, like I said, we can never say nothing bad about the defense for sure. I mean, DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart stepped up. Much credit to them. I think we're still missing pass rush, but we can talk about that again if you want. But I think we all know more of that story. But, hey, man, I love the defense. Yeah, this is like that. You know, they get the ball moved on them a little bit. But remember back when he was hired, Matt Eberflus, that is, and people defend him and people talk about, oh, that was the bend but don't break defense. Well, they were always bending and breaking eventually. This defense has proven – to bend a little bit, but they don't break. This is the defense that Chris Ballard wanted Matt Eberflus to have. You know, maybe you get the ball ran on you a little bit. Maybe you allow some pass plays, but you don't let them into the end zone. You do not let them into the end zone. This is the defense that we all thought we were going to get for the last four years. The fact that it's finally here, 
I just want to give praise to Gus Bradley to like, like Landon said, finally finding an answer to what Ryan Tannehill does best against you. And I thought you did good to neutralize him a little bit in terms of the pass rush, man. I know he had a sack today. Yannick Ngakwe, it still just wasn't the game that I was expecting from, from Yannick Ngakwe against a backup left tackle. Uh, it was still a disappointing performance. Uh, could he be a guy that you entertain to another team at the deadline? We'll get into that. But other other than that, I thought in the middle, DeForest Buckner, Grover Stewart, outstanding against the run. They were getting some pressure. They were doing what they needed to do. And it was good enough for, for, for the game for their part. So, again, allowing 12, 12 points, you can never get mad at that at all. Now getting into what what we didn't like here. Uh, before we get into the obvious one, let's start with Matt Hack. Matt Hack, it, it was not a good day today. He had three punts and three punts for a total of 47 yards, averaging 15 0.4 yards a kick or a punt rather oh my goodness so so again your defense allowed 12 points with your punter going three for 47 that's even more impressive that's even more impressive Matt Hack did himself no favors he did us no favors uh this was a bad game all around just Special teams hasn't been an issue in terms of the punt game, obviously, for the last few years. The kicking game, other, that's a whole different issue that's been corrected. But for, for the punt game, obviously it hurts when you lose Rigoberto Sanchez. But then getting Mad Hack, been in the NFL, started many games. Well, I mean, if, you're, if it's a punter, it doesn't matter if you start. Uh, he's had big kicks before. So, this just doesn't help it. So this isn't necessarily something that needs to be glossed over a ton, but this definitely needs to be corrected. I'm not sure. I, I don't think you'll bring in punters to work out. I don't think you will. This has been like a one bad game. So if this continues, then it, it'll be something to look at for sure. Uh, I would definitely bring in punters um, because he's definitely easily replaceable. I mean, this is the same guy that lost his job in Buffalo to a rookie. Uh, so I'm not shocked at this point. He had a very terrible game. Uh, like I said, if you want to try to win a game, you will make adjustments. So this week, they should be trying out punters because they try they try out a lot of no names every week. So I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if they try out punters this week for sure because he was definitely a huge reason in you know any type of momentum the Titans had this game. Yeah, um, I will say I believe his name's pronounced Hawk. But with his performance today, if you wanted to change it to hack, I would I would totally be okay with that because he he could not hack it today. Um, man, yeah, it's it, it it's rough. And like you said, man, I, I agree. Okay, Siri, it's my bad. Um, well, what that one was. Uh, anyway, I agree with what you were saying though about like how much more impressive the defensive performance is when you put it into the context of them constantly being put in short fields, whether it was due to interceptions, whether it was due to bad, you know, the bad punts and then them consistently holding Tennessee out of the red zone. Um, and I also, you know, I agree that unless there's an injury that comes out of this, like, you know, it comes out that like he tweaked before pregame or something was going on there injury wise. Um, 
I, I do think at this point, because this is two bad weeks in a row for him. He had a really bad game, you know, last week as well. Uh, I, I think you have to look at your options. You have to look at your options out there. Um, I feel bad for Pat McAfee if he was in the stands watching today. Um, that's 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 not a good punter performance for your boy Pat. Hey, he could have been punting if he didn't take that college game day job. He could have been doing that as well. So, but I mean, I don't blame him. You know how much money he's making from WWE College Game Day, Pat McAfee show. Like, yeah, I I, I think I can not just kick leather for eight hundred thousand dollars, right? So, uh. Turn, turning the script here, getting into more stuff that we didn't like, and it's it's been more of the same. Slow starts, slow starts, not getting the ball rolling. And you even saw in this game that they kind of took the same approach, went a little bit up-tempo, but it went nowhere. It went nowhere. So, again, another slow start in a division game on the road under Frank Reich. It I don't even know what the issue could possibly be like to hone in on one specific area. What could the issue be for slow starts? Like we can sit here and blame Frank Reich all we want. And yes, he deserves blame, but Marcus, you and I have talked about it. Landon, you have heard me say it before for these types of games. You do not need a coach to rile you up. You do not need it. At least I don't think you do. That's just me. That's that's just me, Michael, from, from Texas. I don't, I don't know anything. Not like how these guys do in the league. Who in the hell needs to motivate you for this game today? Who needs to motivate you? You should already be motivated. A coach should not have to push you to do extra work through the week of practice because you should already want to do it. You should already want to win badly. You should already want to continue that momentum. All your habits show up on Sunday. And guess what? The habits around this organization is shit. That's what it is. Everyone's habits. Habits, practice, habits, everything, all that creates to success. And guess what? Failure after failure after slow start after slow start. And we keep pointing, rightfully so, we keep blaming at Frank Wright, absolutely get it. But at the same time, when are we going to start looking at these players? When? Are you taking your job seriously? Do you care about winning? Because it seems like to me, everybody who caught their check forgot how to play football. We are paying Mo Ali Cox $18 million to not get a single target. Not one target today. Not one. What is he doing here? What is he doing? Is he just here to teach everybody how to play fucking basketball that he doesn't do professionally? He wasn't good enough to do professionally? What what is it that he's doing here? Offensive line is just starting off slow. Matt Ryan is making these boneheaded decisions. We'll get to that in a minute. But the slow starts, man, I'm just over them. Yeah, we can cut it. Oh, my bad, bro. My bad, bro. Um, I, I saw the head nod. I thought I thought you saw me. Um, yeah, it's um, what's weird though. It's, so this game was a little different though, as far as like the slow starts go. I think from the past, because from what I was watching, this was not even necessarily like the players weren't trying to perform or anything. This was strictly coaching to me. Like, I mean, like 
you looked at the way the offense was ran. We're talking about like you're constantly having routes thrown short of the sticks. You're not pushing the ball down the field like at all. It's I you're not getting your tight ends involved or not. You go away from the whenever Jonathan and I, I know Jonathan Taylor is one of the best running backs in football. When you're running back is averaging more yards per touch than your quarterback and your offense, like your passing game is, that's not good. Like that is not a good thing. Um, so e- like, even if you, you know, I was watching the game, I'm like begging them just to take a shot to Alec Pierce. Like not, you don't even have to like have a completion, but like at least make the defense respect it, you know, like it, and you're sitting there and you're watching it and you're like, like, what are these guys doing, man? Like they're getting put in really bad situations offensively, like to their strength. And I know like, we'll get into this a little bit later, but you kind of heard it come out a little bit from the players today. Um, you know, they, there were some frustrated guys. Michael Pittman actually spoke up a little bit. I mean, like they, like these guys are just as frustrated as the fans are. Trust me. Um, and that does not bode well in that locker room, whenever you have stuff start coming out from the locker room about frustrations, that's not good from a coaching perspective. That means you're starting to lose guys. Guys aren't believing in what you're doing on offense and what you're teaching and stuff like that. So yeah, to me, like the guys were ready to play. Paris Campbell showed out. Jonathan Taylor looked good. Um, Even, you know, I know the offensive line didn't have a great day overall, but I mean, I don't think they were like atrocious is what like Twitter was, was calling out for. Like, now I know your boy Matt Pryor had another rough day and that's a conversation for another, another time. But I'll say this, like a lot of the mistakes that were happening were coming from clean pockets. You know, like Matt, Matt Ryan had clean pockets multiple times where he just made bad throws whether the throw like whether his arm just looked shot today you know i don't know if it was you know from throwing 60 passes seven days ago or not but that ball was just floating there was no zip on it they weren't pushing the ball down the field at all it's i don't think necessarily today the issue was guys not willing to show up i think the issue today was guys getting put in a bad spot from their coaching staff yeah, I, I agree 100%. It was funny when uh, Mike talked about, you know, Mo Ali Cox and all the money he was being paid. I was like, well, if you're paying him, why don't you use him? Like, there were play designs and he just wasn't involved. I mean, there was a play where we were like third and 20 due to a penalty and we went to go for play for like 10 yards. So we was just missing an extra 10. Like, we weren't trying to force it down the field at all. The tight ends only had like one snap when they caught the football, like maybe one rep. But I mean, the Titans wasn't involved. Alec Pierce barely got involved. And then you like you mismanaged Jonathan Taylor. I know he came back from injury, but when he got the ball, he was showing he was his natural self. So this should have been like a 50-50. I mean, take the pressure off of Matt Ryan, run the football because they didn't have an answer for him. And like Mike Verbal probably knows Coach Frank Wright more than anybody else. I mean, his record against him is pretty winnable. So he pretty much knows what you're going to do. And what you're showing is not good enough. So... I mean, I don't know what it is personally. I told Mike at the beginning of the year, it feels like Coach Frank Wright lost this locker room after that week two. So, I mean, I kind of seen it already. Of course, they're speaking about it now, but it's like it looked like it, like he lost the locker room a long time ago. I mean, this offense is just no excuse. You have all this talent and you're barely using it. I mean, we talked about how much of a mastermind Coach Frank Wright is with his game plan, but week after week, season after season, it's the same issues consistently. Of course, we've we seen Matt Pryor get taken out at right guard, and they put in Danny Pinter. Still no answer there at the issue. I mean, I don't understand the point of switching him out because he didn't make a difference, really. 
like I said, um, when he, even when we mentioned the pick six that we that Ryan threw, Coach Frank Wright came out and said that it's, he takes some of the blame for it because he was st still arguing from a face mask call. So I really wouldn't even put that on Matt Ryan. Like I said, I think the coaching is the biggest issue we've seen and we still know to this day. And the fact that management isn't doing anything about it and we're just going to continue to lose games. I mean, I don't know where that mindset is. I mean, like I said, I'm just an average fan, but watching this offense for almost four seasons now have the same consistent issue and it's not being fixed. It's just truly embarrassing to watch. And the defense doesn't deserve this as, as a team at all. I know you touched on the offensive line there a little bit. And let's go ahead and get into the offensive line because another another bad day from, from the offensive line. This is not the performance that the Colts are paying for. This is not the performance that they're paying for. Marcus, before, um, before Landon got on the show, when did I say, in my opinion, the right starting five is not on this roster? It's not on this roster. And it keeps getting proven week after week after week. I still don't understand people calling for Ryman. What is Ryman going to do that Dennis Kelly is not doing? Oh, let's get Pinter in there for Pryor. What is Pinter going to do that Pryor is not doing? Because from what I'm seeing, I'm just sitting there. Oh, let's call for Pinter. Pinter's a center. Why are we going to put a center at right guard? Although this is the same team that told a right guard to go play left tackle. So, and another one that told a right tackle to go play left tackle. So, I mean, may, maybe you try something, maybe you don't. But I know, uh, Landon, you mentioned Matt Pryor earlier. This isn't even a Matt, uh, about Matt Pryor. This is about the entire starting off five offensive line because they were bad today. Like, I, as soon as I wake up on Monday, I don't want to hear anything about Matt Pryor. I don't want to hear anything. He's not the one getting paid $25 million. He's not getting paid $20 million. He's not getting paid $85 million. He's getting paid $5 million. That's it. Just five. One-year deal. I don't want to hear anything about him. I want to hear about Nelson continuing to get his ass kicked against Nico Autry. I want to hear Braden Smith getting destroyed against their backup pass rusher. I want to hear Ryan Kelly looking lost like he's a damn freaking it clown Pennywise, just head going back and forth. I don't know where to go. I don't know where to go. What is going on with this offensive line? Dennis Kelly, I don't expect him. I mean, this is where we're at, man. What are we expecting from Dennis Kelly at left tackle? He's never played it before. I think he's holding up considerably well for a guy who hasn't stepped in at that position but it's still not where it needs to be the run game the run blocking i thought was okay prior i thought today was a better game than it was last week but it still was not good i thought it was at least better than last week but it still was not good which still isn't even saying anything so i might have, that comment is probably ir irrelevant at this point but landon from the offensive line is, is it <sighs> Basically, I just want to ask you, is the right starting five on this off on this roster today? No. Easy answer. No, they're not. Um, and, and they haven't been since the offseason. That's one of the biggest misses of uh Chris Ballard's career going into this season. Is seems like these guys were being asked to play positions that were not their position. And to Dennis Kelly's credit, he did play left tackle in Green Bay. So he has played left tackle before, and he's done an admirable job. Um, but really, like, so let's go through each member of the offensive line, okay? Um, so let's let's just go through one-on-one. -on -one. So we have Dennis Kelly, left tackle, 
admirable performance. He got thrown in there. This is his second week. Um, I think he's more natural at right tackle, but I don't think he's been an issue, honestly. Um, Quentin Nelson, Hall of Fame, left guard, getting paid $20 million a year, all that. He's been bad. He's not living up to the money. And I think a lot of this is still due to that back injury. Personally, I think it's the injuries that, you know, it, it's going to take a couple of, I If he still looks like this next year, this is where I'm kind of sounding the alarm, but just a year off from having multiple surgeries, back surgery, like that's tough. And, and it's zapped a lot of what made him special and that special athleticism and his ability to hold up right now. He's just average um, at best. And that's not good. So you're paying that guy that money. Ron Kelly, after a bounce back week last week, another bad game this week where, like Mike said, they like he just looked lost. Like they're not pat like him and Matt Pryor and Braden Smith. There's no cohesion over there. There's like they're not past. I don't understand how we are now. What is it? Seven weeks. We are now seven weeks in, and you still can't handle simple stunts. Like I, I, I just don't understand it. Matt Pryor, another bad, I mean, another bad week, but I mean, we, we covered this in the last episode. You put him in a bad situation to succeed constantly. So I don't know what you're expecting there. And then Braden Smith, your, your right tackle, a decent performance last week. He, I don't think he was like super awful today, but he wasn't great. Um, and it's just, Something about every time they play the Titans, man, like they just get absolutely out physical and it's, and it's not just a one-off thing. Now this is going back multiple years, like, you know, three years. If you want to blame it on Chris Strausser, I think that's probably okay. If you want to blame it on the players, that's probably okay. Um, I, I think it's a combination of all of it and, you know, I, all the way from management to coaching to the players themselves, not taking any pride in what they're putting out there. Um, it's just, it's bad all the way around. And it's basically setting up this entire team and this entire offense for failure right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like, I think it's personally, I think it's Chris Strausser and the offensive line. It has to be 50, 50, or maybe it got to be like 60, 40 more, more Strausser. But I mean, this is just unacceptable. Like it's too much money involved for these guys to not even sniff like, no pancakes, nothing. I mean, still, the center and right guard don't have any type of communication. We talked about this last week, how in sync they have to be, and they can develop that chemistry, but it's still the same issues. Like I said, Matt Pryor didn't get any better, in my opinion, from last from last week to this week, but to be honest, we can't blame him. Like, he's not a right guard, so, I mean, he's just, he's just put into the situation to fail. I mean, it is what it is at the end of the day. He can't do anything about it, but just go play football. But when it comes to it, it's like Danico Autry, a guy that you got rid of and didn't want to pay money because that's the ballot way. He wanted to pay his guys and build through the draft, yada, yada, yada. And then you face him two times a year and he's exposing your highest paid lineman. It's like, that's just a kick to the face. Like, you don't do anything about that. You don't take it personal. You just, oh, we'll, we'll go bounce back next week. You know, we just got outplayed and we'll be better. no. This is the same excuse we hear every week. This is not going to work. We're not getting outplayed. We just suck. That's just the part of it. It's just nothing is working. You're not making any adjustments. So I don't understand how this offensive line can just continually to be bad. And 
We don't have the answer. There's no answer, no mixtures. You can't keep switching right tackle to right guard, right guard to left tackle. I just wish Jared Vail here didn't retire because when he came in, he had, had no practices or nothing. He's sitting next to Quentin Nelson, and he knew what to do. And he gave us a playoff run with Phillip Rivers. And now we got we got Dennis Kelly come in. He's kind of all right, but, I mean, Dennis, Dennis Kelly would have been playing right tackle if Vail here didn't stay. He retired. So I guess Vail here got the message that this team wasn't going to go anywhere. It's unfortunate, but, I mean, I don't know what we're going to do in the future for this offense. If this offense is going to continue to stink uh, if they don't get this fixed. They don't, they're not making any moves. This is what it comes down to, to me. And we're going to get, I guess, just throw a business, uh, a bit, a use of business lingo out there. ROI return on investment. What has the Colts return been on the investments that they have made? It as it has resulted in your quarterback being sacked the most, being hit the most, being knocked down the most. Run game not really going anywhere. Holes not being opened up enough. And batted passes from the defensive lineman. That's that's what it's resulted into. Marcus and Landon, if you are a business, you hire somebody, and you're paying somebody a lot of money to do a certain job. And if you're looking over all the records, if you're going over all the reports and the evaluations and everything, and you see that person is not going, is not meeting the standard, is not doing a good job. And so you sit there at your desk and you say, why should I keep this person? That's what you would do, right? Why would I continue to pay this guy if he's not doing a good job? He he or she, why would I continue to pay them if they're not doing the job that I need them to do? And in, in, in other words, they're just taking my money. What's the difference here? Should cuts be made? Definitely. If this play continues, because if this type of play continues, I don't see how, regardless if you're Chris Ballard or a different GM, I don't see how you keep these same three together. I don't. Do what you need to do at left tackle and right guard, definitely. But left guard, center, right tackle, I don't see how you keep those three there. I don't. I don't even know. Well, I I do, but I didn't agree with keeping Ryan Kelly going into this season. I I didn't believe in it. I I didn't agree with it, but they did it anyway. So that's, that's where my thinking is. You're paying all this money for what? Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan was already dealing with an injury today. He was favoring his right shoulder, his throwing shoulder. How much how much more longer do we expect him to, to, to stay upright before it literally begins Sam Ellinger season? We are one hit away, ladies and gentlemen, from the Sam Ellinger era. That's what the reality is here. And again, this is because Chris Ballard was the smartest guy in the room. He knew more than us. He knew more than everybody. He knew more than all the reporters that had the questions. He knows more football. He's smarter than everybody. And we know we knew nothing. So that's how we got to treat it. I guess we we don't know what a good left tackle is. We don't know what a good offensive line is. We don't know any of that. So let, let's go ahead and move on to the turnovers, which is another thing that we did not like. And Landon, I'll let I'll let you get on these two interceptions from Matt Ryan. I'll let you go first on this one. The pick six, and then whatever the hell the interception was 
to uh, I believe who was the one that caught that? I think it was David Long Jr. No, uh, okay, it it was him. I don't know what he was doing on that one, but please take the floor. Um, okay, so let's just let's start with the first one, the the one that Paris Campbell. Um, so pretty clear they brought zero. Um, so I mean zero defensive backs. They're blitzing everybody. Everybody's coming at you. Um, this is a combination to me. It's about half on Paris Campbell and it's about half on Matt Ryan. So at that point, that's where you get into something called a hot read. You get into your hot read where um, that's, you know, you make an adjustment, you go hot. This guy's supposed, you know, if they show zero, this guy's supposed to run a certain route. Your quarterback gets the ball out. As soon as it snaps, as soon as it hits his hands, it's out. Paris Campbell, for whatever reason, he didn't even turn around and look at the ball. Uh, I mean, nothing. But on top of that, Matt Ryan threw that directly into double coverage. And this goes back to coaching, which I talked about a little bit earlier. Whenever you constantly have these short routes ran, these like little sticks and these little crossers, and you're not pushing the ball down the field, the defense does not have to respect your deep ball. They they have no worry. So what what does that do? that allows cornerbacks to sit sit on these routes and jump these routes. They're basically, whenever you're not getting scared of of them going over the top. So your defensive backs, they're, they're just, they're sitting and waiting on these routes. And Matt Ryan does not have any zip on his ball to get there. Like it's, he's not out throwing coverages. He's not, <laughs> he's not going to beat these guys with, with, you know, accurate or, you know, the only way he's beating them is accuracy and anticipation. Um, and both of those were not present today. Um, so yeah, that's to me, it's a little bit on Paris Campbell because he didn't even look for the hot read. Like if, if clearly he was the hot guy on that route and just complete miscommunication there between him and Matt Ryan. But if you're Matt Ryan, you also can't like, if, if you see him going into dunk, like you have to see that DB breaking on that ball. You can't throw that pass. Now let's get into the more egre- egregious one, and that's the second one. Um, so, Mike, I know you had a big issue earlier with Mo Alley Cox, you know, not showing up, didn't have a coverage. On that play, do you know who was wide open on a mesh route? Mo Alley Cox, wide open. Well, he probably um, would have dropped it, but he was open. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he wouldn't have yeah, dropped it. He wouldn't have yeah, dropped it. We don't we don't know what would happen, but you know, at the end of the day, look, you you have multiple options open, and now this is multiple games now that we've seen this out of Matt Ryan, and um, whenever he is pressured or you know that internal clock speeds up, he panics. That's that's all that is. Is he's he's panicking internally because he's you know needing to know how do I get the ball out as quick as possible. I, even then, I just I don't know what you're even looking at there. I don't know what you're looking at. Um, obviously I'll have to go, you know, look at the film whenever I get it tomorrow. I mean, that's, that's what it's all contingent on. Cause right now I'm just going up a broadcast footage, but I don't know what you're looking at there. Cause you have the line, you have a linebacker and I don't know if the other guy was, I think it might've been a safety that was on and two that was waiting. The guy's double covered. Like you have two guys waiting on that. And I like, I just don't understand that. Like, it's just mind numbing bad decision making from your quarterback who's supposed to be you know even before this game what do we hear from Jim Mercy I know it was on leadership like I don't I don't care what it was about if I have to hear somebody else compared to Peyton freaking Manning again I'm gonna lose my mind dude 
This is like there, there is no comparison to Peyton Manning. I don't care if it's leadership. I don't care if it's accuracy. Like, shut up. Like, just leave it alone. Like this, he he's not Peyton Manning. He's 37 years old. He doesn't have, you know, the arm to do what he what they're asking him to do. Um, and even then, everything around the guy's crumbling. So um yeah, like, is it on the quarterback? Yes. Is it on the offense? Yes. Is it on the wide receivers? Yes. The answer is yes. A, like all of the above. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's putting everything at risk. It's putting the defense in bad spots. It's putting your special teams in bad spots. It's putting your offense just in general in bad spots. Like, I just, I don't know how many more weeks we have to set back and, and watch watch what this is doing i i I don't i don't have an answer for it anymore i i don't know i'm I'm gonna pass it to you because i want to hear what you guys think of of everything that happened yeah this this answer should have been solved weeks ago if that's what the answer you're looking for but i mean like i said yeah definitely it goes from from one to ten it's not just the QB. It's not just the wide receiver. It's the coaching as well. You forgot to mention that, but the coaching has a lot to do with this as well. The offensive line, like I mentioned a few weeks ago, when you do not have any protection, you're going to see a ghost. And what did we get today? We got the ghost version of Matt Ryan. He's just going to hurry up his throws, not going to take his time, not going to look for the double coverage. And the first pick was blatant double coverage. Like I even seen it from a side angle on the television. And he hawked it and just ran it to the crib. Nobody's catching him from there. He's 37. He doesn't like getting tackled. Like, even when he scrambled for that three-yard gain, he didn't get anywhere. He slid as fast as possible. This dude, Matt Ryan, is like, – he can have his bright moments when he has protection. But when he doesn't have it, he turns into Zach Wilson of last season or Baker Mayfield. He's just god-awful. It's just god-awful. It's like you don't want to see that from your starting quarterback, but – it's just going to be bound to happen, and it's something we're going to have to be a be a witness to. I mean, of course, we would ask for coaching to help him. I mean, but, I mean, it's poor game plan. Like, the plays are so obvious. It's not helping Matt Ryan at all. Like, of course, we mentioned the, the zero blitz and trying to make the hot read, but that was just pure miscommunication. And that should have been adjusted on the fly before you even snapped. You've seen everyone doubling down and coming in. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the coaching would definitely have a big help on Matt Ryan if it existed, but it doesn't exist. I mean, all the coaching is on the defensive side for this team. I don't know what's going on on the offense. So I can coach this offense if I could, but I, like I said, it's definitely just not just Matt Ryan. Of course, you can blame him, but I'm putting more blame on this head coaching. Well, I mean, this coaching staff than the QB at, at this point because, I mean, it's unacceptable. Anybody could have played that position today and threw a pick six because there's no protection. It's that simple. I don't even that's I think Matt Ryan's problem is he got too used to playing in Atlanta after 2016. The talent went down and the offensive line, the offensive line talent-wise was not up to where the Colts should be, but on paper they're better. But yet even last year he had better protection from from his offensive line. I mean, hell, do we do we need to go and get Jake Matthews from Atlanta? Do we need to go do that? I mean, if we're down to do that, put Dennis Kelly at right tackle, put Braden Smith at right guard, hey, let's do it. But, again, 
I don't want to give up any assets until we get the guy in here. And everybody knows who we're talking about, the franchise quarterback. Until we get that guy in here, I'm not trading for anything else, nothing else. I don't know what Matt Ryan's, Matt Ryan's problem is. I don't. I, I'm not a quarterback guru. I don't know what it is. It just seems like stupid decision. That's all it is. That's all it boils down to. Are you making a good or bad decision? And I see bad decisions. I see bad game planning. I see bad execution. I just don't get it. And I'm kind of the, – the fact that we're talking about the same issues in week seven – that we were talking about in week two of training camp. That is a huge red flag. Nothing is improving. Nothing is improving because, oh, they went and beat Jacksonville. Great moment for Alec Pierce. Yes, great, great. But how did the rest of that game look? I didn't let that game cloud my judgment and what I thought of this team. That's why I picked the Titans, because they haven't shown me anything this year. They haven't. You beat the Jaguars. Okay, you should have done that. You beat the Broncos. You should have done the hell. You should have blew them out, honestly. Should have done that. Beat the Chiefs. Okay, give you credit there. But you tied against the Texans. You got shut out by the Jaguars. You lost to the Titans. Matt Ryan has just not been good. It, it, it hasn't. And, man. I don't know what more we can talk about. Like, I know I'm not about to spend the next 11 weeks talking about the same issues we were talking about in week one. Because I've said it before on this show. If your problems in week one are still your problems in week 18, you're not going anywhere. You're not winning anything. And quite frankly, you probably are picking top 10 in the draft. I don't see that happening with this team because we'll get into it here in a little bit. But Frank Reich and Chris Ballard are just not in a position to tear it down. They're not. So, guys, thank you so much for listening to the show, by the way. I mean, I hope we're sharing frustrations with each other. Everything you're thinking, I hope we're saying. But if we're not, comment down below in the comment section and let us know what you are thinking. If there's another point we didn't bring up that you have on your mind, let us know. So let's go ahead and get into um, – let's go, go ahead and get into some Twitter questions here. Thank you for everybody who put in some questions as well. Oh, man. Okay. So this first one, I guess this is a little bit of a funny one from uh, Jen. Isn't discussing this team exhausting by now? I feel for you. At least I can turn the game off and move on to something else. We can't move on to something else. We can't. We're invested in this, unfortunately. But thank you for that. And, yes, it does get exhausting. You and You start the game taking notes, and then it just hits a certain point in the game where you say, you know what? No more notes are needed. I got everything I needed to. And that's exactly what I did. Let me see here. That is exactly what I did today. Hold on. That's yeah, exactly you, what I... Yeah. At least you took notes, man. Like yeah, like I said, for me, like, I know I've, I've got to go back and watch the film tomorrow, you know, do, do the breakdowns, uh -huh. see what went wrong and all of that. I turned it off as I'm, I mean, I'm like, look, there's only a few minutes left. I know how this is going to end. You know, I, I don't want to subject myself to this any more than I already have to. I just checked. I stopped taking notes at seven 56 in the third quarter. That's all that, that I saw what I needed to see. Yeah. So that's that, that's just it right there. Moving on to another one. <laughs> I don't know what this one is doing. Jay Silva guys. Would you bring back Carson Wentz? Landon, I'll let you go first, man. 
no, Jesus, no. Can we please get off of the Carson Wentz narrative? Like, I don't know what more you guys need to see and what like I don't I don't know what more needs to be said. Like I I don't even want to talk about Carson Wentz, honestly. Like, no, he's no, just no. Marcus. Carson's not even QB one in Washington, so why would we want him back here? Like he wouldn't be QB one here either. Like the Heineke season. Yeah, like Heineke is out there doing his thing. I'm more worried about Heineke than Carson. I want a Carson to play so we have a better chance of winning. But uh, back in here, no, absolutely. Bro, if we lose to Taylor, we'll save that for Thursday. Here's another one, uh, and this is kind of a two-parter. What does your head coaching big board look like? Assuming if Frank Wright gets fired, who are the guys that we would go with? And then the second one, sticking with Matty Ice next year or looking to go young via trade or draft. So I guess we can touch on the first one. Uh, my head coaching big board, I haven't decided who the number one guy I want to go for yet because I haven't decided what type of head coach I, I, I would like to see this team bring in. Obviously, my biggest one right now that I'm leaning is like the type, the CEO type of things the guy who just implements things tells his guys what he wants how he wants it and then he micromanages you know kind of like mike vrabel the defense he wants the offense he wants hires the guys to bring him in and guess what he's always locked in whether the defense is on the field or the offense is on the field he's locked in and he's always standing behind those coordinators who my number one guy is i haven't decided that yet Uh, i know people are out there like sean payton would be a good one but man you got to trade for him so that's that that's not a road i want to go down uh i know ken dorsey is a good one but you know i i get stuck with is he another frank reich just an offensive mind who's going to call plays and that's it like he's just going to be a head coach because it's a pay grade uh pay payment up up um improvement so i i don't know yet david shaw from stanford uh that intrigues me a little bit i'm kind of you know, zeroed in on college right now. David Shaw's one CEO type. He's gotten some looks uh, before Chris Richard, uh, cornerback coach, passing game coordinator in New Orleans. CEO type demands greatness, demands respect from his team, is always going to give 110% effort, energy at all points of the game. I think he would be a good one. But those are just some names to throw, throw out there. Lennon and Marcus, where are you going starting with Marcus? Um, anybody that wins the Super Bowl, we should be targeting them first. If not that, a defensive-minded coach. I don't care who it is. Uh, I'm kind of sick of these offensive-minded coaches at this point. We need a defensive-minded coach because they're going to keep you locked in regardless of who it is. They just bring us different type of energy for sure. Um, I wish Salah was available because I would love to have him on my sideline. But it is what it is at the end of the day. Um, like I said, anybody that wins the Super Bowl should be the first target. Uh, other than that, any defensive-minded coach in my books, I would want as the head coach so we can actually get an offensive coordinator to run the offense. Yeah, mine, I don't really necessarily look at, like, offense or defensive head coaches because I think whenever you're at that level, like, if you are a head coach, there's so many more other responsibilities. So um, I will say, like, I, I do have a short list. Like, it starts with Ken Dorsey is where I would want to go, especially if we do draft a young quarterback this year. Like, um, that guy's been fantastic. Um, I think the uh, offensive coordinator for the Eagles, uh, Shane Steichen, uh, Steichen, I think is how you pronounce his name, um, you know, they're under um, 
old former head or our former offensive coordinator. Um, you know, it's he's a guy with targets. Uh, D'Amico Ryan's from the 49ers. I absolutely love D'Amico Ryan's. Um, and then possibly like um, a guy like Mike Kafka, who's the offensive coordinator for the Giants right now. Learned under Brian Dabal. He's been been with Dabal. He would be a good one. There, there's a lot of I'll, I'll say this. Like if they do decide to move on this year, there's a lot of really good head coach candidates coming out from from this class. Uh, even a guy like Shane Waldron, as you know, we see what he's doing in a uh, Seattle with uh, Geno Smith and in that offense out there. So, um, you know, I think he would be a fantastic head coach at hire. So yeah, there's there's a lot of really good options that we could use. Um, I would, I would be more concerned on who's making that head coaching hire. That's my biggest concern. Oh yeah, I, I think another one that I want to give some uh, some love to here because he's actually done some good things in Seattle. It's going to be Clint Hurt, the defensive coordinator. He was just promoted to defensive coordinator. He spent I think it was four, three or four seasons with the team as the defensive line coach. Uh, he's doing some of the things over there in, in, in Seattle. There's an identity being built on defense. There's always just teaching fundamentals, being a teacher, basically. I I, I want to give him some love on, on the show. I think his name deserves to be in there. But that's where – and obviously the one that I'm uh, big on that I didn't mention was D'Amico Ryans from, from San Francisco, the defensive coordinator. Again, the type of head coach are you going to bring in don't know, don't know, don't know. Uh, the second part to this one, sticking with Matty Ice next year or looking to go young via trade or draft? <sighs> why not both? Why, why not both? Because he's still on the books for next season, so don't you want to at least use him? Um, I think regardless if Matt Ryan is on your roster or not next year, you need to make the move in the draft. I don't care if you finish... 32nd or you finish sixth in the overall uh drafting order you have to get the guy in whether if it's to learn behind matt ryan or to start immediately but he needs to be in the building in april at the end of april he needs to be in the building he needs to be out there at rookie mini camp at uh otas training camp he needs to be out there so that's that's where i'm going i'm going the draft one way or another Matt Ryan's probably sick of this place, to be honest. <laughs> he probably won't even be here when he's done. He's probably just going to retire and say, I'm out of here, bro. And then he'll just unveil the truth. That's what I can't wait for. Unveil the truth. What is the real issue? If nobody's going to tell us, it's going to be bad. Tell us, Matt. Yeah. I... It's tough because Matt Ryan, clearly with the way everything's structured, is not the answer um, right now. I don't think he's the problem though. So yeah, I I would say yes, I would still roll with him next year just because I said he is on the books, he is on the cap. Um, but we we have kind of seen a little bit of a turn now with teams willing to eat that cap space and eat, you know, eat that and move on from the quarterback if they're not the guy. Um, so I mean it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. You know, it like I said, it really depends on who's making the decisions, but Yes, I hundred percent agree. There needs to be the the up and coming young option in this room after the draft, whether it's via trade, which whether you know a guy like Justin Fields or you know whatever route you want to go, or if you want to draft your own guy in this class. Yes, we we absolutely need to make that move. 
I agree. Here comes another one. And before we get into that, another thing I just thought of, obviously we know the news, Christian McCaffrey was traded to the San Francisco 49ers, but what about Carolina declining or rejecting rather two first round picks for picks for Brian Burns? That that's insane to me. Well, have you seen the uh have you seen the meme of the guy that does um I can't remember what the show is off the top of my head, but it's it's the meme video and it's the guy that's like, it's false. It didn't happen. We made it up. That's what that report is. There's because there's no way they they were offered that. It's somebody putting it probably Carolina, honestly, trying to put out Pro- probably you know, that's yeah, what that's my a smoke initial- they, if they were offered two first was. round picks, then yeah, that yeah, it's, it's that's not what my initial thought was. But a few people who who are credible started jumping in on it, and you know, kind kind of going with it. And I'm just like, okay, do they have any ties to this outlet that's putting it out there and everything? So I hope that wasn't the case because man, if somebody's offering me that, and we're in a rebuild. But bye, okay, have a good go to the AFC. But uh, I think that'll do it right there for for some for some twitter questions i think a lot of them were just expressing some frustration and everything and that leads me to my next question to close out this show and everybody's going to get the chance at this how much longer this season does frank reich and chris ballard have to write this shit how much longer because when you take a step forward you take two steps back it, it seems to be the constant trend so far in 2022 Marcus I'm I'm going to start with you how much longer do they have if it was me personally I say it's already over but <laughs> I would give them the grace period of two more weeks two more weeks man cuz like I said you can still make the playoffs like of course the division is still a chance to win but you got to go on like a crazy win streak and I was talking about my TED talk last week and I mentioned if you beat the Titans, you could beat anybody. But, Lord, was I? I mean, hey, I was right. Like, you can't beat the Titans. I, I can't trust you. I mean, so, like I said, I give them two more weeks, if anything. But, my goodness, I don't even think they will make that move. Just to, just the way that this team is structured. Because they don't make moves anyway. Yes. Um, yeah, just being realistic about it. They'll have the season. They'll... And but I'll I'll say this unless because of how much Jim Irsay put on the division and especially the Titans games and for them to be have one win through five division games at this point is it has it been five or four five division games five that's what I thought yeah so yeah they're they're one and four in division games or well one three and one uh, I forgot the tie but that's a loss to me. Um, with with how much was put on these division games and how much was put on specifically the Titans games and for them to get swept again, unless something drastic happens, like as far as like winning the Super Bowl or like a, a deep playoff run, if they can get into the playoffs, which is a big if right now. Um, yeah, uh, the move will be made after the season. I, I can pretty much tell you that right now. Yeah. I mean, remember... This is just so annoying. I mean, we all love Jim Irsay, man, but he just he, he does too much of this and not enough action. Just too much of this. He's a mouthpiece. That that that's all he is to me right now. Um, he runs his mouth, talks about what he wants, talks about all this stuff, 
And I remember after the Jaguars lost Marcus, we don't know specifically what was talked about after week 18 in Jacksonville, that meeting that went down between the three. We don't know specifically what was talked about, but we for sure know who was thrown under the bus and he was traded to Washington. So now who's the scapegoat this time? We all just going to go pummel Matt Pryor. We going to go pummel freaking Marcus Brady. Who are we throwing under the bus now? Because all I've seen from this regime is pointing fingers and not enough accountability. And accountability stops starts at the top. And Jim Mersey holds nobody in this franchise accountable. Nobody. Not one ounce can you show me where he held someone accountable. Never. Never. He gets rid of guys too late or too early. How quickly did it take him to get rid of Jim Caldwell. How quickly? Jim Caldwell was not the problem with this team, but Jim Irsay made sure he was the scapegoat. What about in 2014? The team clearly had a horrible head coach that brought a defensive pedigree, right? But who was the scapegoat that season? Pep Hamilton, who, quite frankly, is an actually really great offensive mind, mind you. Thought the season turned around, and guess what? No, the same issues were still there. And then your head coach and GM are clearly not working together, clearly hate each other. Let's go to therapy. Let's sing Kumbaya, and I'm going to be the smartest guy in the room, and I'm going to give you both extensions. Yeah, because I'm Jim Mercer, and I can fix anything. And what did it result in? Nothing. You fired your GM a season later, fired your head coach two years later, no winning, no winning seasons after those extensions were given out. And then here comes Chris Ballard, who's who's done, I think, a, a solid job, obviously, with the draft classes and everything. But you go back, free agent whiffs. You have a you had a situation in going into 2021. Guys, in 2021. We could have made the playoffs if we just had Charles Leno at left tackle. The guy who wanted to be here. The guy whose agent was constantly calling Chris Ballard. But nah, he had Eric Fisher on the phone. Why? Because he knows more than us. Because he knows Eric Fisher is better than Charles Leno, allegedly. He knows more. He's smarter than everybody. How did that work out? How did Danico Autry work out? He's killing you every time you play him. And hell, I've defended the move, but I can't defend it anymore. I can't. I've defended this move of not bringing Danico Autry back. I've defended it, and I can't anymore. And here you go. The ship is continuing to sink. Continuing to sink. Crickets. But if you win, Jim Mercer, where's that camera? Where's that microphone? But when you get embarrassed, quiet. Get on that golf cart, get to your jet, go to your multi-million dollar mansion like nothing happened. For me, it all has to start at the top. He's great for the community. We all love him. He's done so much to turn his life around that nobody could ever say we've been there before. He's done so much well. But on the football side of things, it just 
leaves too much to be desired. I'm with you, Landon. I think they get the season. But Mar Mar Marcus, remember when I said if the Colts lose the next three, Jacksonville, Tennessee, and Washington, you lost the division game, you lose another Tennessee game, and if Carson Wentz was, obviously he's on IR now, he won't play. But could you imagine how angry Jim Mercer would be if you lost to Carson Wentz in your Not home angry. Stadium? I would be if we would have lost We would all be angry. <laughs> Landon, this is something that I brought up. Could you possibly see a firing? Because this is the guy you pushed out of town, but he comes back and beats you. I think, I think for Chris Ballard and Frank Reich's sake, they are happy that he will not be playing that game. But I, I just don't know what to think of, of the leadership now. Like, like all the Colts that are coming out, Naheem Hines had a lot to say at the end of the season, not just about Carson Wentz, but about coaching. Jonathan Taylor has maybe dropped some crumbs. Michael Pittman who you see as the leader on the offense coming out and saying something. Anytime stuff like that happens, there's always something going on behind the scenes, always something going on. And I think that's all that we can talk about today because everybody's frustrated, but your head coach continues to admit publicly you were out coached, outplayed. So when does there come a point in time where the person who keeps getting out coached is no longer employed? When does that? Basically, I'll ask this. If you're Jim Mersey, when is it enough? When have you seen enough? That's my question. Landon, Marcus, y'all's response. I saw enough after the Jacksonville game last year. That's all I needed to see was the way that team faded down the stretch. Um, and then what's even crazier to me is you handed out extensions after that. Well, like, like you know, I know we talked about it with Cliff Kingsbury on here, but like, what what have you done to deserve an extension? What have you done for that? And not just like a year extension, you know, like I we're talking about four or five year extensions here, you know, for the long haul. Whenever in the five six years that you've already gotten, you have one playoff win, you have no division titles. You have constant slow starts out of the gate every single year. What what's sad is the Colts are three three and one right now, and they're ahead of the curve as they've been the last few years. They're ahead of where they've been. That's not good enough, and they will inevitably hit their stride here mid season, possibly just enough to get them the sixteenth pick, the seventeenth pick. The one place you do not want to be as a franchise is mediocre. You either want to be at the top or you want to be picking at, at the top. That's that's the way it is. Right now, this is a mediocre friend. The definition of mediocrity, by the way, because I believe Chris Ballard has a 500 record as a GM. Five, like perfectly 500. This is the definition of mediocrity. And until you are ready to not settle for mediocrity, whether that's as a coaching staff, as a franchise, as an owner – you're, you're going to keep spinning in hamster wheels. You're going to keep spinning circles. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my only response to that. We'll see what happens. I fully expect, like I said, if unless something drastic happens from everything that's come out and everything that's probably coming out behind the scenes right now, unless something happens, 
drastically as far as either they make a deep playoff run or they win the Super Bowl. This is probably the last year of this regime. Um, and we we need to start preparing ourselves for that. I surely hope this is the last season. I'm so tired of being the Indianapolis average Joes. You know, every team that comes to Indy or we go on the road, they just look at us and laugh because they don't see us as a threat. I mean, of course, you see Michael Pittman Jr., you see Alec Pierce, but then again, you're looking at you're like, oh, I can get through this offensive line. Matt Ryan, oh, all we got to do is send him a blitz. He ain't going to read it, you know? And it's like, it's the same thing, repeating cycle over and over again. I don't even think teams fear Jonathan Taylor anymore because of the offensive line protection. So it's just like Indianapolis average Joes every week. It's like, you don't even know if you want to pick them to win or you're going to pick them to lose because you don't know which team's going to show up. Oh, but we do know we're going to see Ursay. Let, let's go Colts or the roof is open. Like, I don't even think that matters anymore. So we don't have, I mean, we kind of, we don't even have home field advantage in my knowledge. Like, this team, I just want all of this to be over. Get a franchise quarterback, new head coach. I mean, if you want to keep Ballard, I guess, because he does decent at the draft. But, I mean, the talent is there. We just don't have any coaching. So, I hope this is the last season, to be honest. Yeah, I, I agree, and I like what Landon said right there. The last place you want to be is mediocre because that's when you're going to be picking in the 16-17 realm of the draft. Me, personally, and I said it on uh, on Twitter today, I would rather just be bad. Like, I would rather just be bad. And I know there's that question, oh, my gosh, you never tank. The fact that people talk about they want to tank is pathetic. You know what's been pathetic is the last five years. That's pathetic. That's what pathetic is. Now, two completely different sports, right? Two completely building philosophies of a roster. But look at what the Indiana Pacers are doing. Took them a while. But doing it without saying it, they tore it down and they are rebuilding right now. They're doing it without saying it. You cannot sit there and watch the Indiana, Indiana Pacers last year and tell me they are not tanking. You could not tell anybody in Indiana that. But you know what's crazy is that they were all for it, for the Pacers. But they think it's blasphemy when it happens for the Colts. That's what I want to know. That, that's the, that's the two-faced fan that I want to know about. You're okay when the Pacers do it. But for the Colts, it's blasphemy for us to talk about that? I want to be top five if I know that quarterback is going to be there. Because as far as we know right now, the Chargers, they could end up at 7, 18, 19. It doesn't matter to them. You know why? Because, it, because they got Justin Herbert at number six overall. That cleans everything. So I would rather just be bad. If you're going to be bad, be bad. If you're going to be good, please start winning games. Please. I mean, the next slate, the next slate of games coming up, we got the Commanders. I'm not even penciling that in as a win. I'm probably penciling it as a loss right now. You got the Patriots. You're going to be on the road there. You're going to Las Vegas. Both of these teams are bad. You don't know who's going to win that. And then you're playing Philadelphia. Nick Sirianni coming back to Indy. He probably got a point to prove, maybe. He left on pretty good terms. Then you got Pittsburgh. Then you got Dallas. I have tickets to that game. They're sitting in my phone right now. I'm probably going to sell them. Because I'm not trying to see Micah Parsons in the night with seven sacks. Minnesota, who's solid? The Chargers, the Giants. Man, this is not looking like an easy schedule. I said it in, in the offseason. That is not an easy schedule. That is a hard schedule. So other than that, guys, we'll go ahead and leave it at that. If you guys have any other questions, comments about, about our takes or any take that you want to give us, 
comment down below. And if you're not already, please be subscribed to the Blue Stable Podcast on YouTube as well. We appreciate that. And other than that, guys, any other closing remarks from you guys? I don't have anything else. What about y'all? No, I mean, nothing for me other than uh, if for some reason you're a masochist as well and you want to put yourself through it, just be on the lookout over the next few days as I break down film on Twitter on this game. I'll post some all 22 screenshots um, of, of some plays that are good, some plays that are not good, probably mostly going to be not good. Um, and just make sure to, um, yeah, check out the rest of the stuff. I know, uh, you know, Lucas Robbins or at Robbins Lucas, if you know, if, if you follow him on Twitter, he's got some good stuff as well. Um, we got some other great articles coming out. Um, based on this game, uh, want to give a shout out also. Um, let me see here. Let me pull it up. I'm in the wrong chat. Um, but yeah, Jack Jack Geely, I think. How do you pronounce his last name? Is that? Uh, Jack Gooley. Gooley, yeah, yeah. So he's got some good stuff coming out. So even if you do, you know, you're you're on Twitter and you just want to give those guys a follow as well and uh, check out the content we've got coming out over the next few days. Absolutely, guys, over there doing uh, doing some work, doing the Lord's work right there. So other than that, he is Marcus, he is Landon, and I am Michael. Hopefully we have some type of good news talking about next Sunday, but catch us on the preview show for Colts Commanders in Indianapolis next week, next Sunday. Hopefully we are treating instead of tricking, you know? So other than that, guys, have a blessed week. And to make myself happy, I'm going to just go watch some TCU highlights. That's what I'm going to do. So other than that, have a blessed week. Stay safe. See you.